you have a lot of legacy, it definitely definitely will impact the design system quite heavily, and uh, you need to put more more work on it to make it work for the whole company. Let's say that you have four different technologies that you build front end up on, so it's definitely a more challenging solution than when you have only one or two, for example, legacy things, and you want to move to a new one. Welcome to DevOps Sauna. My name is Lauri. Remember a while back we discussed with our CTO Marco about design systems and how they are connected to DevOps? Well, we invited two experienced people from our customer, Vaisala, Toni Lehtimäki and Kari Heikkilä. Marco Klemetti, our CTO, is holding the mic. Let's dive right in and listen to what Toni and Kari say about the design systems. Hello everybody, I am Marco Clemetti, the CTO of EFICODE and I've been working around design systems for a number of years from the developers and, and especially the DevOps point of view and today we have Kari and Tony talking with us today on design systems at Vaisala. So if you could just introduce yourselves. Yeah, hi, my name is Kari Heikkilä. I have worked quite long in Vaisala and all my career there I've been doing something related to user interfaces from the time that there was no design systems yet and until now being the design lead of our design system which is called Rockhopper. And hello, my name is Tony Lehtimäki and I've been working working with Vaisala for a few past years now and uh, working in our design system team as a tech lead. I do a lot of stuff with with Kari and uh, always been enthusiastic about front-end related stuff and user experience and accessibility and whatnot related to front-end development. Cool. Sounds awesome. So grasshopper seems to be the term. If we start from the very beginning, like what challenges did you have to decide on going for a design system or did the idea for a design system come from somewhere else? Yeah, actually, it's Rockhopper. Rockhopper, sorry. Yeah, it's a species of penguins, one of the few ones of those that do not slide on its belly, but it's boldly uh, jumps from stone to stone going forward. Oh, wow. And always having a bad hair day. Yeah, uh, what challenges did we have back in time? Yeah, why did you, so why did you start doing a design system, essentially? Yeah, I, I think kind of started around 2016 creating the style uh, probably we didn't talk about or use the name of design system at that time yet but uh, we did have a previous platform and style and the previous version mixed front-end and back-end nicely together and everything was considered reusable there all components and all customizations of those so Eventually it becomes something that's not very reusable as such. And it was quite slowly evolving. The priority tended to be on the backend side of, of those yeah. services. We needed speed and uh, we needed also new style. Everyone was doing flat and, and modern looking style at that time. We were still on, on gradient style and and we, we, uh, that, that was quite difficult to get backported on the platform 10. So 
So we needed to kind of have a fresh start with modern web technologies and, yeah. and a fresh style. Sounds reasonable. So if we look back a while still, when you started, what did you expect to get out of having a design system? So what were the things you were expecting back then? I guess uh, agility and speed and, yep. and possibility to put more weight on UX and, and usability. Definitely. Cool. So before asking what you're expecting today, I guess we should start, jump into what the design system, the rock hopper you're calling it. So how did you first build and define the first version of the design system? So you were mentioning like gradients and, and flat UI back then. So how did you define the first version? Hmm, good question. Uh, not sure when it really turned out to be a design system but what would you think tony uh w- would it be the moment when when we started to create our component library the first version of it yeah maybe that's the that's the clear like steer to the pathway of design systems so there was first just the style and then and the technical aspects followed and yeah. uh, and community related stuff too so kind of found out it's not just a style guide it's not just a component library so it's neither of those in in isolation so we found out that we should have this actually we call it design and development system so wanting to emphasize mm. the kind of a glue between the designers and the developers was there a specific project you were working on at the time or how did you start with the design system? So was it implemented on one or did you do it separate from the, from the projects you had? Or Well, the style evolved on, on a bit separate track first. So there were pilot projects that started to uh, use it and evolve it. They didn't have the legacy code, uh, so, so they, they could go forward quite fast. But then on, on the component library side, it was partly as, as a independent thing that we had, for example, help from Efficode trying to kick the component library alive, the first version of it. And it, partly also our application projects were involved in helping development and, and we tried to get kind of collaborative activity around it. Yeah, and I think think we had had few projects that were in, in a key part of developing the component library at its first stages before we started to take it forward to other projects so that's what i what i remember that we have few pro we have few projects kind of being the being the pilot in a way i think that is needed you need some some project to be as the kind of the spearhead to go forward with the with the stuff yeah so would you say that if someone wants to start working on, on design systems, should they, in your opinion, start with defining the components or, or would you go for a project now that you have the design system in place and, and work it together with the project? This is also something I don't have a definite answer over in my experience. So, And I think it doesn't have a definite answer, maybe. Yeah. It depends on the context. But um, what I think is, is most important is Maybe first to get the buy-in, at least on some level, that we need need a design system, kind of get the reasoning behind it, then the resources behind it. And uh, then it's then depending on the 
the kind of the company size and the amount of projects and products that it has that what kind of approach is going to be from there on but definitely if there's something going on like uh, very kind of um, let's say conveniently around the corner coming some new project it might be, might be the best best thing to go forward so you don't have too much legacy that you have to be kind of weighing all the time when you try to build something new yeah it's kind of always the situation that there would be ideal ways to go forward and, and plans but then the reality hits and there's that one or two projects that just need to be delivered so so then you adapt your uh, activities with those according yeah but that's also as i said it's the it's the reality and that's how we'll go anyways unless you're starting a completely new project and and attaching the design system there but then i feel that you often then miss the needs from the whole development organization or the other projects easily and then you have to pay back that legacy somewhere else or some some other time yeah maybe to add one more thing that we did have tremendously good luck though about if if considering the timing since we had the previous platform uh, which caused slowness and, and developers wanted to go forward from that there was certain kind of pressure and, and also pain so they quite eagerly took something new uh, in into use and also uh, time-wise at the same time the outside world started to speak about design systems it, it became kind of password so we were ready to jump on board right away yeah so especially from the technical point of view kind of the the time was right yeah i don't think that we really planned for that but in, in, it was just it happened in synchronous time yeah and now if you look at any of the like the the developers of design systems or various different parties who have made some sort of some sort of insights or and, and questionnaires over how design systems have been implemented a lot has happened since those times and it's like i would say that the things you just mentioned still apply and are still current before we jump into the tech stuff, which naturally interests me as well, is I want to ask from the culture today. So how do you today make sure that the design system stays fresh? And if there are new areas that you want to develop or say your brand changes and their icon or color changes, how do you stay flexible, so to speak? Good thing with Vaisala is that the products that we make are usually they focus on on business areas which do not change quite quickly. So in in that sense, also for example, our style is not changing as fast as in the kind of consumer side of, of things. So we we don't need to update that that often. But anyway, we are constantly evolving and releasing. New, new versions of the system they they might improve the technical side or usability or or sometime also of the cost style so I, I think probably that's just everyday business yeah do you have a team working on it currently or people who are in projects or how have you managed developing the design system we have a model where two of us me and Tony full-time working on the design system 
Then we have UX team, which has designers working on application projects, but they also contribute to the common goal of, of the design system in creating those designs. And then uh, we have the developers on the application projects, which then we uh, they contribute to the design system. And, and this, this way we try to share the work, uh, responsibilities, create also buy-in buy for the use, use of the components and, and design. Yeah, and this is also something I would say to the listeners that having only a centralized team working on the design system has way less impact than if you would have the UX designers and even the developers being part of developing the design system. So that is something I would I would also recommend to have. How do you collect feedback? Is it like, do you have a, say, a Slack channel for discussing things over the design system? Or do you have an official way of, of having the discussions or requests? I think we have both. So there's there's the official and unofficial ways, but we use, use Teams mostly company-wide, but we also have Slack on some part of the company. So we need to be on both. That causes some challenges, of course, keeping everything and everyone in sync. Uh, other than that, of course, running some surveys to find out what people think. And uh, we try to try to foster this idea of like uh, developer experience. So, so we try to do things from that perspective. And we try to have some, some collaboration between the teams and projects that we have, so that we would get to know those people. And uh, they would get to know us and uh, also kind of introduce opportunities like in both in kind of the term of like a or from the side of our, our our design system but also from the side of the project so that we could help each other to make make the world be- world a better place <laughs> to put it bluntly but that mainly of course from the code code and design perspective hopefully the world will get better in, in there in there too of course we as a company we we work an environment and uh and on, on on things monitoring things to reduce for example emissions and stuff so in that sense we really at least like not directly but indirectly try to make the world a better yeah. place hey and I, I just remember that at some point we started to call ourselves human friendly design system kind of to emphasize that the threshold to contact us for example in in teams or slack or or even live uh, so that the threshold would be low yeah and also as said building the community around something that involves everybody in the development cycle is usually very valuable for the organization both for the information flow so when you have new people new people coming in or new innovations coming in i honestly believe that the design system is one of those places where you can easily share the information without actually having to share it as bulletins or news flashes or anything. You just notice that, okay, there's a new new element coming in, or this is an idea that has been done in some other place of the organization. That's a very good point in, in, in many aspects of, of the benefits of design, design systems, kind of indirectly that you're in contact to many, many teams, like company-wide, if, depending on those, com- of course, the company size and uh, that causes causes you to see things done differently and uh, 
also like sometimes you see that this is probably done better somewhere else or more somebody's being more clever and that that information can be then distributed to the other teams too and that that's a great benefit of of kind of having this kind of a, a view to like a centralized view around the projects that are are doing front-end related stuff but also the technical solutions let it maybe map map solution or or backend backend stuff or whatever infrastructure related or even that just a kind of customer journey yeah. whatever yeah exactly and sometimes i feel like people are talking a lot lot about devops and which we are obviously doing as well but design system is as almost or in in a way as in important part of the culture as thinking devops wise would be because it combines the design and developers in a harmonious and a friendly way at the same time so you're working towards the same goal if we look at pre-design system era there was still like this is the design i've done in this and this graphic design application now change it into code and suddenly you have the same goal in everything you do and you fulfill each other's work when you started on doing the design system and of course today did you look into any of the open source options did you use some of the open source or did you just design decide already that you're going to do your own well style components library and then design design system we right, right in the beginning we decided that we wouldn't lock ourselves to any single solution that was the case with the previous platform and when when the previous platform was or the base of it was was not supported anymore so it it created a bit problems so that that's why we chose that we would try to go fight uh, do something that uh, go go to the atoms and molecules so do quite independent pieces or building blocks and also try to find the best open source components available for for use as a basis and also where we could not find such so then then we would build those by ourselves yeah and i i think looking back at least now there have been so many different open source design systems and, and component libraries that have come and gone that locking yourself one back then would probably have right now looking back would have created more trouble than actually benefited so i i think even today even while there are really good component libraries out there in open source every organization has to to some extent do their own work over it yes and and we use use the third party libraries too and uh, especially in projects of course sometimes they're used if if the sol- some solution fits their need what what we found out or have found out uh, after using some of the third party libraries that they they still do bring problems with them too so so one is of course they usually add a layer de- layer of design already and have a certain look and feel and uh, way how they interact with the user that might be different what what the company company has designed their like uh, interactions and branding like for so that for example kind of creates some some bloat yep. that you necessarily don't want to have and and kind of a proof of that is of course that if you look at companies having design systems like most of them 
have done most of the work from you know kind of from zero to the level that they've they've achieved one thing what there is to take is definitely is that what we do too is we benchmark all the time to the public ones that there's there's available either made by companies or the general ones that everyone know to name a few of course like the material ui based on the google material design and uh, then then this chinese one yeah. and design in in a way it was a feature rich choice we have some like a burden from there but they for example have have not thought accessibility pretty much not at all yeah the same goes yeah actually the same goes for yeah both of those yeah. two you mentioned so those those kind of uh, issues then rise when you when you want to get rid of those so or you want to improve something that that you're dependent on and then you find out that that we have a problem that we're dependent on this thing that we cannot change of course we can try to push things upstream but um it's not necessarily the the push that they're looking for so it might take longer that it might not end up at all to the upstream yeah. so and upstream i mean i mean the code side so if we want to make a code change yeah. and i believe that the the key term you used there was bloat and and also for the ones going for a design system or or creating one themselves bloat is something that definitely even if it doesn't bother today it will start bothering at some point and, and the point from accessibility and and the way the existing design systems behave and you have to change that are both points of bloat in a way and of course then if you were to go to say if you take an open source library and fork it for your needs then you would have to yourself maintain the upstream or the downstream from the upstream and then you will have clashes there yeah i i would say that uh, this approach has worked quite well for us so kind of being able to pick the best parts from wherever it is and that that being said if, if looking from our applications point of view they of course uh, still still use open source components from dif different sources also since we are not trying to offer everything that the application might might need so we we have the basic building blocks and and then they have their special needs and and then they go find the components that they need from somewhere else and of, of course in that phase we can help them find good components and, and recommend things and, and of course help help with the styling and that actually is a good good point there that uh, uh, we can't provide everything that the applications need sometimes design systems or component libraries inside design systems are seen seen kind of a one one-stop shop or, or or the full solution which 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 they're not and if we start to evolve on that direction we should somehow be aware of that ourselves that we we stop that kind of development because um the more complex things get the harder it comes from the design system perspective to solve those problems so kind of it's good good to note that somehow that what kind of what kind of issues we you will try to solve like technically and design wise with design system and is it reusable for others or not it's good to be very critical on on that perspective i think for example, one common example, which is quite on the edge, is like data tables, for example, or date pickers. <laughs> they're, they're quite complex components, both of them already. But um, 
in, in our domain, we have even more complex one and, than those. Then there's, of course, sometimes pops an idea that could this be reusable and uh, or not. And that, that is something you have to very critically like uh, review that is, is this something that could have a yep. benefit. Although that being said, there is there is always something that you could do a bit better or where you could help. And so there can be good design principles, of course, or some kind of like guidelines that you can make. So that, for example, the interactions between applications on the same kind of problem domain stay pretty much the same, although that the technical solutions might vary a bit. And it's also interesting to see in the open source community you have well you mentioned and design material ui then the older ones like semantic ui are those what we would today call bloats or like one one stop shop but then there are such like ui kit or rebass which is an interesting variant of the simplicity side like being really simple based design system which you then build upon yourself this is Laurie again. I wanted to let you know that our folks at Epicode have developed a design game that lets you map out your design and development process. It's called Digital Product Building Toolkit and you can use it to improve your company's capabilities for creating digital products and services. The game is open source under Creative Commons license and you can download it from the Epicode website. The link is in the show notes. Now let's get back to the show. Interesting. So. I would love to talk a bit about the tech side. Would you like to walk us through what kind of a tech stack you've chosen for your design system? Yeah, so going to day zero, I guess. <laughs> I cannot remember all the reasoning, but some somehow there was quite good common understanding that we should go with uh, TypeScript. And also React was chosen. Probably it was, or had matured enough for for until that that day already i'm i'm gonna say here out loud that good picks given the community today really good picks <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it looks like it, it didn't go wrong we collected i would say something like 20 developers maybe more from various applications uh had a couple of discussions and and collected the viewpoints, what, what they did have, and, and somehow managed to get a common understanding that, that TypeScript and React would be the way to go. I remember back, back in days, it was not that easy uh, for to kind of uh, grasp. For, for example, I remember one, one developer commenting that a Facebook framework, uh, can that be something that can be built, built upon for years forward? But yeah, it, it was, <laughs> and uh, I, I guess time changed or days changed and, and those um, internet giants become uh, serious platform providers also. Yeah, and, and what comes to TypeScript, actually, that, that was kind of a lucky dip in, in, in a way because the choice was made, I think was made in 2018 or was it even 2017 when the choice was made? So it had not yet kind of, spiked in popularity so it was i think the 3.0 of typescript which introduced a lot of new features to typescript was introduced in 2018 and that's when it started to get a lot more popular of course the angular angular people who stayed stayed with it uh from the version after version one 
then of course they they had known TypeScript for a while. I think TypeScript was yeah. first introduced in 2012, so quite a quite an old technology it took took almost a decade to mature to popularity and interesting in a way way too. Yeah, and now if you look at the like one of the ways to look at the popularity is what do the big like stock listed or 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 soon stock listing startup type companies have in their open source linting tools such as Airbnb for example they're slowly merging to TypeScript linting instead of the old JavaScript linting which they used to have being the de facto so to speak which is an interesting move and it, it fits perfectly into what you are doing currently where do you do the design then uh, you mean the tool the tool and how does like first of all of course the tool but then how does it evolve into the via typescript component libraries yeah uh, we are using figma have been using that for i don't know five years already yeah. we can can you believe we used actually before that we were using illustrator and then you can imagine that that was a bit painful well many people use xd now and it's kind of like the the next version of of there so i i have to say that it's the the traditional one which i referred to before like designers doing the design and then someone hopefully writing the code for the components would be illustrator exactly so figma must have been a relief there <laughs> yeah yeah though i must say that it was quite the early days of figma when we yeah. evaluated it and, and decided to jump there so it didn't have that much of features and fortunately it has been going forward quite quickly but but i must say that there's some issues still for maintaining design system that that's not that easy with figma but yeah and anyway we jumped on board of figma and uh, do our designs there and have our design token library, for example, the component libraries. We kind of call it the shadow design system that that's there in Figma for, for designers. But at the moment, we don't have any automated flow from design to code. Yeah, but as I said, I'm like, personally, I'm not sure if that's that's still even feasible because someone anyway has to write the functionalities between the components. And even if they look the same in the design, they might be very different on code level. And as you said, you don't change like quote unquote, change the, the design system so much that it would be for your environment uh, changing so frequently. How do you then change the, like if you have a change to some part of say a react component and it might need a change in the figma how does this process look like well we try to go in in somewhat in sync although for design tasks we don't that explicitly use jira for example but anyway in, in the same ticket we we try to try to recognize that this also needs needs a design change or or that it needs a design design first for example if, it, if it's a new thing so sometimes we we go go hand in hand. Sometimes it goes so that the design might might be a bit bit ahead, and sometimes it goes so that the the code goes ahead of the design. So there is indeed some work to keep things in sync, and uh, I think that there 
there what what Kari mentioned that we've been there from the early days of Figma that things are getting better of course there too but one thing that we are still lacking in 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 the design side is is a good version control so we have that in code but in design uh it, it might be that somebody accidentally changed something somewhere and uh, if there's a lot of layer of the changes there then it might be a bit difficult to first of all notice it or know who did it or that kind of thing is still still kind of um i think they're coming at some stage but obviously that there's some technical difficulties handling handling things that are more closer to binaries than than just being text yeah and i believe like the the version control is is definitely a question that is not yet completely addressed uh, i know that sketch changed to the XML format or their own data format, which enabled version controlling a while ago. Then there's the InVision who is also doing it, but they all have their shortcomings. And, and in this case, I have to say that what you said earlier here is that the community is the power. So you don't have any like centralized place where you just throw in the code and hope that something comes out of, but you actually work as a community which then also helps keeping it updated, even if the tools aren't yet up for the task. Yeah, that, that's also part of how our responsibilities is shared. So so I'm trying to take care of that UX side that's in sync and, and then Tony takes care of the technical side. So the, this way, if we just remember to keep talking to each other, so <laughs> then... then uh, we should be able to tackle these kind of things. And of, of course, the tool, tools are also evolving quite quickly. Uh, it, it, it might sound that I'm criticizing Figma a lot, but, but I absolutely love it. Sometimes just hope that uh, they would have a time machine and they would live three years in future. So we would have the future features already in use now. Yeah, I have, like, I'm going to, I'm probably going to repeat this over and over today, but that you have been living in the future for taking React and TypeScript back then, I have to say. <laughs> so it's a, it's a legit wish in that way. But yeah, definitely. So I said, as long as you remember to talk to each other, that, that's a, also a very good takeaway for, for the listeners because there are areas that you cannot solve technically yet and probably ever for some parts. So building the community and culture that actually wants to nurture the design system and, and the culture behind it is, is the most important part. Yeah, talk to each other. That's got kind of good general advice for anything, I guess. Yeah, and and the so-called psychological safety there so that people can say that, okay, this component has this and this problem. Can we solve it together? Do you want me to solve it or would you be able to help me out here? I'm still going to ask, even while having been slightly futuristic already back then, what kind of areas or what choices would you change if you could during the during the path? This is more for the listeners. So what areas do you think that you would have changed or would change today, except for, of course, having the features available back then already? Maybe from the technical side, it's it's a tough one, of course, to, to look in retrospect and think that you would, would have been wiser wiser back then but um in a way we would consider the third-party libraries more critically and more carefully that would we take anything from third-party libraries especially if they're from component libraries itself we found out that 
there's a lot of good good stuff when there's like a if we talk about react space there's like very composable components which do not add a layer of design or, or nearly zero layer of design but perform very well from the accessibility point of view and usability point of view and they've built in a way that they're easily extendable so those are definitely what i would look look for a bit more that okay if there's if we, if we need a select for for example is there a good composable solution already available that we can build upon and kind of trust the foundations of it now that, that that's a good thing to consider and also also that even if a bit complex that would it would it make sense to build it like uh, from ground up by by ourselves or not I would consider that of course the speed is of essence in the beginning and that was the case with us too so we needed to get things you know, up and running first so of course some decisions are compromises to that you know, like kind of contributing to that those decisions so they were not optimal or may, maybe never never decisions are optimal there there was some kind of compromises between the most optimal and and the kind of uh, most feasible solution yeah to add here i i honestly believe that if you are able to put something into so-called production use or use it in a customer environment you are going to make mistakes or you are going to make wrong decisions but if you don't then you'll actually never get everything anything done or you never actually get anything finished so it's a trade-off between as you said you had the projects already running and you had to put something in place and build from there so i i think it's evolution anyways and the more you can have the evolution in the customer environment and customer applications the better feedback and and the better probability and succeeding you will have yeah i think that is a generally important aspect of thinking of design design system like the design in it the community and the code code side as an evolving or kind of a living organism that is is constantly on the move in a way so we cannot be in a static state so in, in that way it's not a project that you can finish off and then then it's done or if you do then it might be then fin finishing itself sometimes i also think that it would have been nice if we, we would have started even a couple of years earlier uh, so that we would be farther apart but yeah then that probably would have affected the choice of the toolset and and technologies also so I'm not sure if, if that would actually be that, that good thing. Yeah, it's uh, one of my very good friends from, from Unity said once, hindsight is always twenty twenty, And it's, it's a good thing to keep in mind. I, I do believe that many organizations who started too early started doing the design system over Angular. And well, of course, Angular is not dead yet, and it might still emerge to be most popular. I, I wouldn't say no to anything, knowing what can happen. But when I look at the React component, kind of the whole component structure and how how React forms the whole UI component based, it's it's so much easier to later on switch to something else. And before React, if you would have started doing design systems 
I think that only the CSS and HTML components would be would have been the ones that you follow them through. How do you adopt and onboard new people to the design system? Is it just like here's the library, go ahead, use it? There's the instructions and here's the, the library documentation. Or do you have something official in place for adoption? Well, uh, I think this is the part where we try to be human friendly. So we try to meet personally or as, as personally as it's now possible with Teams and Zoom. But anyway, uh, if a new developer starts, so so we hook a session with him or her and kind of have an introductory tour of the design system and, and get to know each other. So that, that again lowers the... Uh, barriers for communication later. Sounds good. Do you have some sort of contribution part of the, the tour? So how do you contribute or how do you make requests for changes as part of it? We do explain that part too and try to build the culture culture there and, uh, and tell how, how we try to operate. And uh, that's that's part of it. So we explain that there's only two of us, you know, like full-time responsible for design system. So so in, in order to things to succeed and the work work in a more seamless way, we, we need you too. So we try to express express that that this this is a common thing and try to try to try to somehow nurture the like common ownership. Of course that's the that's the most difficult part of every, everything that's uh, built together that in, in open source world of course you can see see the same thing. You have have like millions of users for some some repository, but then only a handful of people keeping it up to date. Or in, in the yeah. worst case, you know, like something that is used almost almost by a by a billion, <laughs> and uh, and then you have have only one maintainer for the whole project, and and all the billion companies relying on that one one thing to be be there for for the years coming. So it's an interesting interesting thing, of course. Yeah, and that that's something that we still have work to do also, and and plans to do that how to make the design system and and the component library code easier to approach, and if if someone needs to fix quickly something, so how how they can get get the code or their hands in the code and find the correct things there easy. Yeah, that that is still a challenge though. Although we do have. We do have like a CI/CD pipeline in established. We still use some some old old technologies there, so we have Jenkins running there, and uh, and everything everything is automated from from that side. So we generate the packages that are needed, and and the documentation is generated from there, and tests are run, and quality gates gates and all that stuff. But it all takes time, and uh, there's always some conventions in place. So in, in, in a way, although version control, ticket system, and all, all those are nice things, then they also add some like kind of, um, you would say some, some kind of like, um, it's not mental, but, um, but like, like this cognitive, cognitive load on your brains that you just want to get this fixed and you know what the fix is, but then you have to go through this, this process or you have to, you know, you have to jump to the pool and swim, swim to the other side. Although you know that you just need to go to the other side and deliver this thing. Yeah, you you actually couldn't have opened the discussion on a better time. I was just going to ask about this because my favorite topic for 2021 
is DevOps becoming a no ops, which means that everything that goes through your CI CD pipeline and the infrastructure and publishing and storing artifacts and everything, it should become something that's not a nuisance, something that just happens in the background automatically and something that you would like you would you would have to put the culture in place of course to swim to the other end of the pool but at the same time you wouldn't have the trouble of then doing that like bootstrapping or bloat around around the process that you would then then follow i i guess like asking from there do you have you now have the jenkins and cicd pipeline in place which well millions others have as well even while there are newer technologies, it's still I would still call Jenkins one of the mainstream solutions. But you have it, you have it for the design system, but do you have it also for the products using the design system in such a way that you would have connection between the design system and then the, the deployment pipeline for the products? Or is that something you have separated still? So the pipelines that we, we have we have running for, for our component library and and, and our design system related assets, they're in a way they're separate, separate. But we have the deliverables that go through our our in-house in-house uh, hosted artifactory system. What we do, what do we currently live in between two systems to deliver the artifacts. In this in this context, we're talking about npm packages yep. that we privately host, and also cache that that is for for speed and then for ensuring that if somebody removes an npm package from the <laughs> from the real real npm then it, it's still on cache for us or in store for us but um there's not 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 like uh not that interconnected that you know there could be for example like like a future dream of that that when we release something it will automatically go into the pipelines of the others so that doesn't happen currently but um Generally, I, I'm, I'm not like 100% sure that do, do all the projects have, have a pipeline, but I'm pretty sure they do. So, so everyone has their pipeline for automating, automating the builds, testing and, and, and such, such things and uh, yeah, in, in place. But yeah. Yeah, I've noticed like now that GitHub, for example, has their depender bot, which is a tool that reports uh, updated packages and or security audits automatically for any repository that you enable it for. I I noticed that it also changes the way people look at the pipeline. So there are two things that I'm trying to promote currently. The first one is of course that the design system could as well be a place where you also share the pipeline. So when you take the, the design system in place, it would all already have instructions on how you add it into the pipeline because you have the components and test templates and probably some linting as well there. So you could pretty easily already connect it to the, the delivery pipeline of the application and not just the design system. And then I guess the other part would be when you are sharing the package as an NPM, some of the organizations have already moved to having this kind of dependabot in place where you have a version or a branch of your application running the latest version of the design system in the CI CD pipeline. And then if there are changes in the releases you've done into the design system, you would see the products that would be affected by these changes. 
and it doesn't have to affect the product themselves but since they're running a separate branch it should then then show that yeah this is definitely something that we strive for to be in in that kind of place in the future because because that's that's I, i think it's the the kind of the key like takeaway from devops anyway to increase the trust of of the things that you deliver so yeah so that that is something that we we desire too of course the one part that ci is not so easily resolving is is, is ui regression and and that's something that we frequently consider that should we have some ui regression tests but um those are easily quite flaky and and hard to maintain and a lot of false positives there but we still or at least i am still <laughs> constantly thinking that maybe maybe we could have some although some some testers also sometimes say that it's it, it's it's not that a good good idea but um, if, if we can make it somehow that the, it, it, it's reliable then it, it, in, at least in like running it sometimes you know before releases or something like that would somehow make sense even if it's not like totally automated process yeah i think back in the day at least i guess facebook's pipeline included taking a screenshot of all of the views and then zipping it and then someone just going through the screenshots every now and then or something like that and then at least we've built an open source library image horizon on top of the robot framework testing tool with which you can then compare the components but the truth is it's still something that would have an extra trouble to go through for sure and then for the javascript testing the cypress seems to be gaining traction even while it's it's quite a big big framework for testing but it seems to be gaining traction so i think that also this like accessibility point of view and and then the like component component ui changes is something that will be solved at some point but still needs some some love in addition to that yeah that's true and we still do have those those tools that you mentioned in use use already so we use a robot framework extensively that that's used a lot and we also have users for cypress cypress too and and uh, especially when when there's not not that much resources it seems to be quite a good solution solution there but um when having ha- having dedicated testers we we use robot framework extensively extensively there but from design system point of view i think uh, something like a storybook and then some ui testing hooked up to that could be the simplest solution to to make some kind of ui regression test just to see for example that button didn't suddenly have rounded corners or something like that which of course sounds quite quite impossible to begin with but but sometimes like the kind of glitches that would happen like in those those units would be would be at least catchable although the most mostly the ui bugs usually occur, occur when you use use the components as they're used in the application. So in real views, interacting with, with each other. Perfect. If we start to wrapping up the session, there are a few questions I'd like to ask you about the, about the future coming up. And, and of course, like what kind of things looking back would you change? And also seeing if there are some areas that you would give as advice to others. So. I've already asked from the technical point of view, but if we look back now and try to wrap up the things we've done, what would you do differently if you had the information you have available now? So do you think that that the track we've talked today 
is something that you would still follow or are there some areas that you would change or recommend someone else to take according to your learnings? Well, I'm quite happy about the track that we, we have been able to go forward. Don't instantly, nothing comes to my mind that we would absolutely like to change on that way. That kind of sounds also as a relief, like if you would give someone an advice to start their design system project today, what would you then say? I think put emphasis on the community more than more than you think you need to put emphasis on it. So it's uh, it, it ends up it ends up being all about people in 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 the in the kind of uh, in the bottom of it or or like that that's the most most important foundation that you have. So nurturing that enough is is, is important. Maybe I. I try to I want to overemphasize it here because like uh, it's something that when when you get busy with it you easily neglect neglect it and uh, follow up with it and especially of course the following year has been very challenging there because we don't have those casual interactions with people on the office or at the office so that's definitely been a challenge for us too. Yeah, yeah, that that's a good advice. I would say also that uh, your design system will live or die uh, with the people. So if you manage to get the collaboration and community running, so your design system probably becomes also something that is very friendly, welcomed. Thank you. Is there something on the other hand that you would then think that when people think of design systems, you would disagree with? That's a good question. Maybe there's... uh... Some, sometimes uh, too much hope hopes or, or or like dreams put put on it so it doesn't solve your company culture problems for example or like, uh, if you have a lot of legacy it definitely definitely will impact the design system quite heavily and uh, you need to put more more work on it to make it work for the whole company let's say that you have four different technologies that you build front end up on so it's definitely a more challenging solution than when you have only one or two, for example, legacy things, and you want to move to a new one. So those kind of those kind of things might be we might be a bit over optimistic of those, and when when trying to solve those problems, it sounds like something that you would bump into anyway when you are trying to do any kind of a paradigm shift in the organization. Well, in a way, yeah, that's true. It's not specific. Yeah, it's good to have in mind also for design systems. So what's next in your journey of design systems? Yeah, I think business as usual. We are trying to improve things, get a bit more component coverage and and think that how we can help our applications more to go towards their business goals. But I'm also thinking that if if thinking about the technology life cycle, uh, we have been now some years on, on TypeScript React and eventually they will get old everything will get old so do we recognize that early enough i would say that maybe with the previous framework we were a bit late of recognizing that change and this time i i hope that uh, we will notice it and and can start to adapt adapt into it early maybe the earlier question a bit and also a bit going forward to definitely like the devops stuff and 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 like uh also like the common good so so that we have common on like um 
practices and process in place how how we do code and 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 how we do version control and that sort of stuff those are in a way in a way on our our kind of uh, roadmap too although they don't directly come from us it's something that enables us to do design systems effectively so if you have a good devops in place and a good process and version control in place those definitely will will go a long way thank you as a last question is there something else we have not discussed yet but you would like to say i guess we have pretty much covered a wide aspect of, of the, the wonderful world of design systems here yeah i think at least for me like i'm i'm really happy in like if we look at the journey for today we started from the need of component libraries and we eventually ended up into having to swim the whole pool to get the design system deployed into and being an npm package shared into the developers and the community behind building it i think this is Honestly, I think this is a very, very good example for any organization on on any point of their design system journey to listen and look into the things that you've done and that working as an example also. So for those who already have a design system in place or are just starting to implement one. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good good way to put it. And even I would even more emphasize the the, the fact that when you have the design system in place and you, you're sharing the common components and, and design, then leverage it even, even more extensively to share the good practices for testing infrastructure and coding and design. So that's something something might be in the foresight and, and maybe like kind of an underuse in a way. Yeah, very, very well said. Thank you, Tony and Kari, for the session today. It has been a real delight to discuss with you. Thank you again for listening. If you like the episode and our show, please take a moment to like it and review it in your podcast player. It means a lot to us. Also, please subscribe to our podcast to stay abreast of our upcoming episodes. Until next time, take care of yourself and keep improving your design system.